The following message by Pastor Scott is brought to you by Together in Christ. I would like to go ahead and ask you if you would please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, the same passage that our brother and sister just read from. We're going to start at the very beginning of Luke 1, though. Well, not the very beginning, but we're essentially going to look at the entire chapter today leading up to what was just read just now. It was a hymn that Mary sang. But I want to give you the full context of why she would rejoice in the Lord like that. What led to that kind of joy that she had before the Lord? But if you would, before we really dive into God's word this morning, I need to start with prayer. And so if you would join me in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, God, we come to this place this morning having opened your word, begging that you would say something to us. God, begging that we could come here to know you better, to see you and to hear from you, God. I pray that for so many that are in this room, that the silence would cease, that you would visit them and speak powerfully into their hearts. God, there are so many things that Satan has done to distract from this message. There are so many plights and evils that have been sent to take away from your word, and I pray that none of them would distract today. But that the word that is sown would fall on good soil and that you would water it so that it would spring up to eternal life, so that every single one of these people, but God, if not every one of them, at least one of them, would be able to walk out of this room today saying, now my soul magnifies the Lord. I rejoice in the God who saves. I will trust his unfailing love. I will sing his praises all my days. Would you do that for one person today, God? Would you work? Be with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This is the third week that we've been in a series that uh, you've maybe never heard the word before called Advent. I've been going through an Advent series. It's a Christmas series, but Advent is a little bit more than just Christmas It's remembering the time that Jesus came to this earth to redeem us. It's looking back on that, but it is also looking forward to the time when he will complete the salvation that he started. And this third week, the topic that we will focus on and the candle that was lit this morning is the candle of joy. That this salvation brings us joy. Why? What's there to be joyful about? I hope we find out today. I ask you to open in your Bibles to the book of Luke. Of all four Gospels, if you, maybe you don't know what the Gospels are, there are four of them in the New Testament. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're at the very beginning. Each one of these Gospels has the same essential purpose, to go over the life and the ministry, the death and the resurrection 
the story of Jesus. And of all four gospels, Luke has the most extensive account of Jesus' birth, of how he came into this world. It has the most detail of all four that we can look at. But interestingly enough, if you were to start reading in chapter one, what you'll see is that the Christmas story as recorded in the book of Luke does not start with Jesus. And it actually doesn't even start with Mary. It starts with a priest named Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest who served the Lord. He was an old man at this point. And he would go into the temple, serve his priestly duties, go home to his wife, Elizabeth. But today, in the day that we're going to be reading from here in Luke, starting in verse 13, today was a different day for Zechariah. If you would join me in verse 13. Well, I'll give you a little bit of context first because we're starting in verse 13. Zechariah was serving in the temple just like any other day. He was doing his normal priestly duties, but this time something different happened. An angel of the Lord visited him and gave him a message, told him something. So let's see what it is. Now, verse 13. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. And he, I'm sorry, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. This angel visits Zechariah, tells him, your wife who has been barren her entire life and is now old will bear you a son and you shall call him John. The John that this angel is referring to is the John that we know as John the Baptist. John the Baptist, he says, is coming in the power of Elijah. This is the forerunner. This is the herald of the Christ. This is who is coming before the Messiah comes. This is a big deal. And he says that this son will play a major role in the kingdom and he will be great before the Lord. And indeed he will. Jesus himself said of John that, Among those of whom are born among women, no one is greater than John. That's what Jesus would say. Zechariah hears this message that their prayers for a son have been answered, and not just prayers for a son, but for a great man. You know, I think every parent, you know, is our desire, is it not, that our children, boy or girl, would at at the very least grow up to be a good man or a good woman, that we would be able to say at least that of them. 
John, or Zechariah would be able to say of his son, John, my son will be a great man. What a prophecy. What good news that comes to him. I mean, wouldn't it just give you so much peace as a parent to be able to know how your kids are going to turn out, right? Every day you wonder about them. The older they get, the more you wonder about them. Like this would have been great to know. (laughs) You don't got to worry about him. He might be weird. He might eat bugs and he might wear camel's hair, but he's going to be fine, right? What a, what a glorious message to receive that your prayers have been answered. But there's a hiccup in this story. There's a hiccup. Pick up again with me in verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel, the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. Zechariah doesn't believe him. He doubts that this is actually something that can happen, that will happen. And so the angel speaks judgment on him and he can't talk for the duration of the pregnancy until his son is born and they insist that he is named John. Only then do his words return to him. As the story goes on, the coming days, His wife, Elizabeth, though she was old, did get pregnant. She did conceive, and she would bear a son. But during that time, something else happened. The next part of the story advances, because the angel didn't just visit Zechariah. The angel visited somebody else this time. Wasn't an old man and a priest that had been serving in the temple his whole life, This time, it was a nobody, a young teenage girl was visited by the same angel. And he had a message for her as well, another miraculous gift of God. But this one was a little different than the first. If you would pick up with me in verse 28. And he, the angel, came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and ever. And of his kingdom, there 
will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Again, Gabriel's announcement to this person is one of a miracle. God is going to work a miracle. He's going to perform a miracle, but this one is not going to be like the first. It is so much more grand. Mary will conceive a child within her womb, but her womb is not a womb that is barren. It is unopened. It is, she's a virgin. Even in the past, when God has given a barren woman a child, it has been through the normal means of procreation, not this one. This is something that's totally different, totally new, that she would have never heard of before. And how does she respond? Pick up in verse 36. The angel continues to tell her and says, Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here at the very beginning of the Christmas story, we have two accounts of an angel coming and pronouncing a great blessing to two different families. And these stories between Zechariah and Mary contrast one another. I just want to point out a few details to you of these two stories that maybe you didn't notice at first. Think about Zechariah, first of all. Zechariah is an old man. Not only is he an old man, he is an old man that is a priest that has been serving in the temple for most of his life. He would have been familiar with the scriptures, the Old Testament stories. He would have been, he would have known all these things. It would be like the angel coming to a pastor and telling a pastor that this is going to happen to your family. Yet, Zechariah didn't believe it. It doesn't make hardly any sense. I mean, he should have known the stories in the past. I mean, the, the, the origin story of the people of Israel with Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, they were both advanced in years. Sarah had been barren her entire life. But God says, you're going to have a son. He goes to Abraham in that instance and says, you're going to have a son. He says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's almost the same story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Yet Zechariah doesn't have the sense to know that God can do something like this. But it's not just Abraham and Sarah. It's Jacob and Rachel. It's Hannah at the beginning of 1 Samuel when she is praying for a son, but she's barren and she can't have one. God grants that request. It even says, like at the very beginning, when the angel comes to Zechariah, your prayer has been answered. Apparently, they've been praying for this. They've been asking for this. 
What I'm trying to get at is that for Zechariah, for, for God to do this is, is still a miracle. It is still miraculous and amazing, but it's nothing new. He should have responded and said, praise God. He's done it for other people in the past and he's going to do it for us too. And our son will have a great role to play in the coming kingdom. Amazing. But instead he doesn't. He responds by questioning God. He doesn't trust him. He doesn't believe that the promises of God will be fulfilled. He reacts with doubt. But take on the other hand, Mary, a teenage girl who is engaged to be married but is not married. And because of that, if she were to get pregnant and have a child, there would be massive social implications for her. She would be seen as an adulteress, as a person that was messing around with people before she was married. But not only that, we know in a different account in the Gospel of Matthew that even her own fiancé, Joseph, will seek to divorce her because she is pregnant. Because he knows, I don't know who it was that, that is the father of this baby, but it ain't me. And so I'm out of here. An angel has to come to him and tell him too, don't leave her. For Mary, the announcement that she is going to bear the son of God right now has massive social implications. It will be, she will be looked on poorly by the entire community because she'll be seen as a risque teenage girl. But it's not just the social implications that would make this a very challenging thing to hear. It's also biology that makes this very difficult to understand. And she actually does ask a question of the angel. But it's not a question like Zechariah asked. You see, Zechariah's question was motivated by doubt and unbelief. Mary's question was motivated by a lack of understanding because she understands biology that, look, I know that if you want me to have a child, that can happen. But God, I know that the way that you've ordained for this to happen is through the normal means of procreation of a man and a wife. I'm not married. So how, how, how is this going to happen? Like tell, you know, just tell me, am I supposed to do something? Like, do we need to move forward our marriage date or something like that? Do we need to not have such a long engagement? She was just curious. That's when the angel tells her, your cousin, or rather your relative, Elizabeth is pregnant. She was barren, but she's pregnant. Nothing is impossible with God. But you are going to be different because the power of God will overshadow you. And in his power, you will conceive and bear a son and he will be the son of God. What was her response? What did Mary say? Verse 38, I'll read it again. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Despite any social implications that may arise because of it, 
despite the way people would look at her and despite the fact that she doesn't understand how God is gonna break outside the bounds of normal biology, she believes that what God says will happen will happen. And she submits herself to the lordship of God. She says, I'm your servant. If you choose to use me, use me. I'm yours. Whatever you need, whatever you wish, that's how I respond. Complete belief and trust and submission to God. So these two people contrast each other in a ridiculous way. Zachariah doubts God, and for that he is cursed. He doesn't believe God's promises. Mary believes God, and for that she is blessed. We'll see more about that in just a little bit. But Mary, upon hearing, we're gonna continue the story now. Mary, upon hearing that her relative Elizabeth is pregnant, wastes no time. In verse 39, it says, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town in Judah, where Elizabeth and Zechariah lived. So she goes to see her relative that is miraculously pregnant. This is immediately after the angel comes to her. And so at this point, Mary is only maybe weeks pregnant, right? Not even out of her first trimester yet pregnant. So she goes to see Elizabeth. And when she greets Elizabeth, something amazing happens. Pick up with me in verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. John the Baptist, at this point, a baby, I think that's the third trimester, ladies, six months after, is that third trimester? No, no, you don't know? No, you don't know? No, no. There's a baby as John the Baptist, the forerunner, the herald of the coming king that will, re, that will renew everything, that will bring all people, that will be a blessing to all nations. He was the first one to recognize who Jesus was, and he wasn't even born yet. A baby still inside his mother's womb, was the first human being to recognize the God-made flesh when God-made flesh was no bigger than a grape inside of his mom. He knew even then, even when Jesus was an undeveloped fetus, he was Lord over all creation still. You know, we sing that song, Jesus, Lord of thy birth, right? That's not how it goes. That's why I don't do the music. <laughs> Jesus wasn't just Lord at his birth. He was Lord at conception. He was Lord before that. And he was Lord after that. And he still is. 
He wasn't just Lord at his birth. So the baby within Elizabeth leaps for joy because he knows he's in the presence of God. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit to see what it is that the baby in her womb is so excited about and why he's moving, right? You know, like when Alicia was pregnant with one of our kids and like she was eating something that tasted really good or something, like that baby would go crazy. Like, and he would start doing a dance, right? Moms, you might've experienced that too. There was something that made him so excited, but it took the Holy Spirit to open her eyes to see the truth of what it is. And Elizabeth blesses Mary. But did you recognize and did you notice what it was that she pronounced blessing for? Look at verse 45. Elizabeth Elizabeth says, and blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. The blessing on Mary is not because she is carrying Jesus in her womb. Surely that brings blessing. But the reason that Elizabeth gives for the blessing to Mary is because she believed in the promises of God. Mary isn't necessarily special because she gave birth to Christ. She's special because she had faith and because she trusted that what God said would happen would happen. Trusting God brings his blessing. And in Mary's response to receiving this blessing from a Holy Spirit-filled Elizabeth is to sing this song, this hymn of praise back to God. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he's looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary praises God and she rejoices in the fact that God has finally fulfilled his promise. In verse 54, it says, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. She's referencing a promise, a promise that was made to the people of God long ago, a long time ago, that through the descendants of Abraham, the nations would be blessed. And finally, the blessing is here. It's arrived. It's coming. God has remembered his mercy towards us. 
God has remembered what he has said. He has not forgotten his people, but it felt like he did there for a while. A lot has happened between the time when Jesus is born and when when that promise was made to Abraham a long time ago. The people of God were enslaved to another nation. They wandered in the desert. There was decades, even generations of war. They finally got into the promised land, but then the kingdom crumbled because of sin. They were exiled into a foreign land. And even though they got to come home back to where their promised land was, the people that could remember it from the time before weeped because it was nothing like what it used to be. And eventually they were conquered again by Rome. And so they had nothing left but a promise, a promise that God made to his people that he would redeem them that he would lift them up and that he would establish them as a nation with a king in righteousness, that through these people, all nations would be blessed. The people that Mary described in her song that would receive salvation, what did she say of them? Those of humble estate, the poor, the hungry, The people in this world that have nothing left but a promise from God. They have nothing left to hope in. They've tried everything else and it leads nowhere. So that all they've got left is a promise from God. But who is it that would receive God's strong arm of judgment? The mighty, the rich, the proud, Those who are self-sufficient, the ones that are able to make it on their own, the ones that have means, and that I don't need to trust in God. I've got everything I need here. I've got a problem that I can work myself through. The ones that never look to God for help, the ones that, quite frankly, just don't need. But those are the ones that will one day wake up and their bank accounts will be bankrupt and their influence will be gone and they will cry out. Mary is praising God over the fulfillment of the promise that God would send a savior. And she is blessed by God. And in being blessed, she rejoices and shouts with joy because she believed all along that those promises would be fulfilled. It's the overwhelming joy of knowing that something you have hoped for and that you have prayed for has finally come to pass. Like when you would welcome home a soldier returning home from a tour of duty safely. Or a pregnancy coming to full term with the birth of a beautiful, healthy baby. Maybe it's the salvation of a family member that you've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and you've worked on and you've worked on and you've worked on for so many years, and they finally trusted God. They finally trusted in Christ as their Savior. And just the sense of joy that you feel that God has heard your pleas to open their eyes, or maybe in your own life, 
the end of a season where God's will was so unclear and muddy, yet now there's finally a little bit of clarity. There's finally a little bit of understanding that he has given to you, and it just brings you joy to know that it's going to be okay. God is fulfilling his promise of salvation. And his promise of salvation has been going long before we've been here, all the way until now. And even you and I, it will go on beyond us because the story is not over yet. And all through that time in this story of salvation, there's been a consistent theme God made a promise to Abraham. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. God told Mary she would give birth to a son, to the son of God as a virgin. She believed God and she was blessed for it. There is a consistent theme for those of you that wish to receive the blessing of God. You know what it is? If you would receive the blessing of God today, Simply believe in his promises. If you would believe in his promises, that will bring you the blessing of God. See your salvation, your hope fulfilled. This promise was made to Mary and the one that she would give birth to, that they were to name Jesus, he would come teaching God's people and he would make promises of his own. You want to know what one of them was? It's a verse that you're familiar with. John 3.16. Jesus once said these words. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So that, here's the promise. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That was a promise that Jesus made. If you believe in Christ, if you believe in the events of his life, his death on the cross as a sacrifice for you, that he rose from the dead after three days of being in the grave and has new life now, and now he reigns in power with God and that one day he will return, if you believe that, there is no need for you to perish, but you will have eternal life. That's a promise. That's not the only promise he made. He made another promise that one day he would return. And this time, it wouldn't be in the humble form of a baby boy born in a manger. It would be as a ruling king come in power to redeem all of God's people, to bring all the world in subjection under his feet. That the world would be made new that all wrongs would be made right, all the ills of our lives would be gone, all of our sin fully eradicated, and we would be made new, able to walk a life pleasing to God in full and final fellowship with him. That is a promise. If you can, turn to John chapter 16. Jesus was once speaking with some of his closest friends before he left this earth to tell them what that day would be like. 
I'm gonna start in verse 20. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one can take your joy from you. You see, if you have chosen to believe in the promises of God, that if you believe in Jesus Christ, that you will be saved, you are not promised joy now. It will bring you joy. It will sustain you through that. What we are promised is joy later. What we are promised is that when God fulfills all of his promises, when he makes this whole world new and when he makes us new, our joy will be complete. But you want to know how you get there? You get there the same way Mary did. You believe that the promise is true that Jesus is the son of God, that you can be saved through the work that he has done. And if you would believe in that, believing in the promises of God brings his blessing. And when that blessing comes, we will rejoice with joy that no one can take away and will never end. I don't know if you've trusted in Christ yet. I know there are those in this room that haven't. But you can today because there is nothing that would hold you back because that's all it is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you would confess him as Lord and submit to him as his servant, as Mary did, that brings his blessing. And you can receive that today. I don't want you to miss an opportunity to do that. I'll be here after the service is over. Pastor Tim will be here after the service is over. Pastor Matt will be here after the service. Pastor Spencer or another Christian that you came here with or that you know here. Talk about what do I need to do to believe in Christ? What does that look like for me? How can I do that? Have a conversation. Have you trusted in Christ? If you would believe in the promises of God, there is blessing to follow as with Mary. But if you would hear that that promise is available to you, yet not believe it. As Zechariah, there is only curse for you. But the blessing is offered. We eagerly wait to see all of the promises of God fulfilled. And while we wait, we wait in faith, knowing that one day when those promises are fulfilled, all joy will be ours. This Christmas season is a season of joy. And every Christmas season is a season of joy because to us who follow Christ, it is an annual reminder to us that God keeps his promises. And he will continue to do so. 
So I pray that this Christmas, that this Advent season that we celebrate will be a reminder to you of our Savior's birth and will strengthen your faith in the promised hope of his return to bring us back with him to our Father. Pray with me. Heavenly Lord, Would you give us faith to trust what you say? And God, would you remind us of the joy that you fulfill your promises? Even if it's not now, and even if it's not in our lifetime, we know your son will return. We know that our Savior, Jesus, will come for us God, would you help us trust you? Father, I pray that those who are here, God, that if there are any that do not yet believe in your promises, God, would you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you open the eyes of Elizabeth to see the truth of who your son is, oh, God, would you open our eyes to see the truth of who Jesus is and that we can trust him, that we can follow you. Would you do that today? I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to a message by Pastor Scott from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.